And this morning, we're going to talk about how Jesus wants to be the Lord of the work that we do in our lives. And most of you, well, I shouldn't say most of you, some of you probably know that I am uh, a big movie buff, uh, and I'm almost ashamed to tell you this, but the only movies I've been watching lately uh, have something to do with Woody and Buzz Lightyear, and uh, Toy Story 1, and 2, and and four, and <laughs> until death comes. <laughs> uh, more Toy Story. Uh, my grandson thinks that infinity and beyond is wonderful. And uh, lately, we've also had opportunity to, to catch a rerun of a Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which was just inspiring. <laughs> really, you know, the dwarfs sing. And I like singing, that's good. You know, they sing every day on their way home uh, from work. Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's home from work we go. And I've heard another version of that which made me think about work. And um, maybe you've heard it. It goes like this. I oh, I oh, so off to work I go. And then, I don't know what else comes after that. But it strikes me that that's a little like uh, how some people think of work in our culture. That the reason that we go to work is so that we can get things for ourselves, so that we can get the things that we want. And oftentimes, more things that uh, we want than we can afford, which is why we owe, which is why we go to work. And um, there are other reasons that I think that, uh, that people might uh, work in our culture. And we'll talk about a couple of those as we go along. But I do think that there is a difference between that perspective of work, simply a matter of getting things for myself that I want, uh, and uh, taking care of me and my family so that we can get all the things that we want. Uh, uh, and the way that the Bible speaks about work. And so this morning, I'm going to use our scripture passage as just kind of a, a jumping off point to talk about six passages of scripture that came to my mind as I reflected upon uh, the meaning of work and why it is that we work and uh, what we hope to accomplish in our work. And <clears throat> I do have, I think I told you this the last time that I was here, that I have a new um, version of PowerPoint on my computer, and it still is true that I could either try to learn how to use that, or I could actually prepare a sermon. And if I had learned about PowerPoint, I probably could give you a lesson about PowerPoint this morning, but that's not really what you want. So I'm going to make us kind of do things the old-fashioned way, which is to actually take our Bibles, and you can find them under the chair in front of you. Uh, some of you, I'm going to actually do a, a Bible on my phone this morning, just because it has bigger words, and I can see them better. But I want you to, uh, to grab your Bibles, and we're going to take a look at six passages of Scripture together, kind of a neat half dozen that talk to us about uh, God's notion of work and why it is that we work. So let's go to uh, 
And I'll even tell you the page number in the Old Testament or the New Testament that you can find each passage that we're, uh, that we're working on. And we're going to start real easy. You can just go to page one in the Old Testament. And we're going to take a look at the first chapter of Genesis, verses 27 and 28. So if you can find that, Genesis 1, 27 and 28, because God says something about work really right at the beginning of creation. <clears throat> Starting in verse 27. So God created humans in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them, and God has just finished the work of creation with the creation of human beings. And so God works, and so he creates us in his image so that we can work. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And so God gives to Adam and Eve the job of, of if, we, if we look a little bit farther on in the second chapter of Genesis, to, to till the earth and to take care of it. And he gives us, when, when he speaks about having dominion over everything that, that moves on the earth, I loved how Pastor Eric talked about when he talked about the lordship of Jesus and his uh, notion of being lord and master is that Jesus looks at it from the attitude of serving. He is the servant king. He is the Lord who serves his creation. And so God calls us from the very beginning of creation, when we were created, to join him in his reflection and work. To, and that actually, I believe that we find some of our deepest satisfaction in life from working. Our kids, when we first are introducing them to their chores at home, may not think that that's the case. But as they kind of go through life, I think they begin to catch on, especially as Christian parents raise their children. They, they begin to understand that there is a satisfaction, a deep satisfaction that comes to us in our lives as we work. And God's uh, calling to each of us is that we work with him to, uh, to serve, to watch over, to tend, to till his creation, to care for others who we share the planet with. And then after the fall, I think that God invites us to join him in recreation as well, calling the world back to what God intends for us, especially as we speak to others about the lordship of Jesus and how Jesus wants to restore us into a proper relationship with him. And God calls us to share in that. And I think we get a kind of a, a notion about that in the second passage of scripture that I want to share with us this morning. If you'll go to page 148 in the New Testament, the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. <clears throat> we'll take a look there. Let me find it. Okay, the second chapter of Ephesians, we're going to look at verses 8 through 10 of the second chapter of the book of Ephesians. And it starts off by talking about 
how God has saved us, how God has called us to be a part of his uh, new creation. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. In other words, the work that we do isn't that which saves us. But God says to us, for we are what he has made us, what God has made us, created in Christ Jesus, what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we may walk in them. God has prepared us as part of his new creation for the work of joining him in advancing his kingdom. Mitch is serving in Vietnam as an opportunity to advance the kingdom of God, to use the gifts and talents that God has given to him to advance the kingdom. Others, There's all sorts of ways in which we can join God in the work of bringing about his kingdom in the world. And so God invites us to join him in that task. The third passage of scripture that we're going to look at just kind of helps us to just in one verse look at the difference between how some people look at work in the world in which we live and how God calls us to work it, to look at work as we serve him in his new creation. Let's go to page 150 in the New Testament, Ephesians the fourth chapter. Ephesians, the fourth chapter. All right. All right. We are going to look at verse, just one verse here in the fourth chapter. Verse 28. Look what it says. Those who steal must give up stealing. Rather, let them labor doing good work with their own hands so as to have something to share with the needy. You see how Paul turns that? He talks about work in this way. He says some people kind of look at work as getting and sometimes getting at any cost, at your expense perhaps, and that's when he's talking about stealing. Instead, he says, work with your own hands. Work with your own hands so that you will have opportunity to share with those in need. So that part of the purpose of work is to provide honestly for ourselves and those we love, but also so that we will have something to share with those in need. That's part of how God has designed us when he calls us to be about the work that he calls us to. All right, let's move on to the fourth passage that I want to look at. Go to page 160 in your New Testament, the back of the Bible, to 2 Thessalonians, the third chapter. 2 Thessalonians, the third chapter. And we're going to go to verses 6 through 13. Okay, 2 Thessalonians, the third chapter, verses 6 through 13. Let's start at the sixth verse, and it's a warning against idleness, Paul speaking to us. Now we command you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, to keep away from every brother or sister living irresponsibly 
and not according to the tradition that they received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us. We were not irresponsible when we were with you. And we did not eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor, we worked night and day so that we might not burden any of you. This was not because we do not have the right, but in order to give you an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we gave you this command. Anyone unwilling to work should not eat. For we hear that some of you are living irresponsibly, mere busybodies, not doing any work. Now, such persons we command and extort, exhort, not extort, but exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. Brothers and sisters, do not be weary in doing what is right. So Paul speaks to us and says, one of the reasons that we work is so that we don't take advantage of others around us, kind of depending on them to take care of us. When God has made us able-bodied, there are times when perhaps we are unable to work and others do take care of us, provide for us in our time of need. But as a general rule, Paul says, no, God calls us to do our work so with our own hands, with whatever gifts and talents God has given us, so that we don't take advantage of those around us as we live our lives and give a strong, kind of have opportunity to give a strong testimony with our own lives <clears throat> to what God is up to in the world. All right, let's move on to the fifth passage. 1 Timothy verses, uh, chapter 6, 6 through 12, and then 17 through 19. It's on page 164 of the New Testament. 1 Timothy chapter 6. All right, we're going to start, as I said, in verse 6. Of course, there is great gain in godliness combined with contentment. For we brought nothing into the world so that we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But as for you, man and woman of God, shun all this. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and for which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. And then he goes, in, goes on in the next few verses 
to talk about the witness that Jesus Christ gave with his life. But let's skip down to verse 17 and read these next few verses, and then we'll talk about them for just a second. Starting at verse 17. As for those who in the present age are rich, command them not to be haughty or to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but rather on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. Okay. Paul talks to us here about um, how many have the desire by their work to accumulate riches. And Paul says, be careful. Be careful. That's not the reason that we work so that we can get rich. Okay, Paul's not here saying that it's somehow sinful to be rich, to have many of the world's resources, to have a lot of financial resources. He's just saying that it comes with great responsibility and that there's a great danger that can go along with it. How many of you have read stories like I have? I'm sure you have. Of people who, who came into great um, wealth through the lottery and had all sorts of money and a year later were what? Broke. And broken. Because of not knowing how to handle the financial resources that they had come to. I see a lot of parents today, it seems to me, that are really pushing their, their kids into, uh, into work that will make them a lot of money without really stopping to think about how the, the pitfalls that can go along with that. They're not, uh, money is not the key to happiness. I, I know people who have been blessed with financial resources who are doing a wonderful job of, of using them to further God's purposes in the world, who, who have learned how to use those resources uh, responsibly and wisely to further God's work in the world. And that's a good thing. But when we look at money as simply uh, uh, something that we want to get a lot of for the sake of our own selves, that there's, some have fallen into just tremendous hardship and to, to personal spiritual ruin in, uh, in uh, pursuing wealth. And so uh, Paul urges us and, and, and cautions us to be careful not to see work as a way to simply achieve financial riches, as though there was something there that would provide us with uh, some sense of security. I want to look at one last passage in which Jesus kind of wraps it all up and, and, and looks at all these things and, and, and talks to us about uh, life in the kingdom and how we should, we should look at the work that he calls us to. <clears throat> Let's go to Luke the 12th chapter, on page 57 in the New Testament, 
of your Bible. We're going to go to Luke, the 12th chapter. And we're going to look at verses 15 through 34, and then we'll talk about them together. Luke, the 12th chapter, verses 15 through 34. Okay, let me get there. Here's what Jesus says. He said to them, Take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, what should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, ah, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things that you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. He said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your span of life? If then you are not able to do so small a thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not keep seeking what you are to eat and what you are to drink, and do not keep worrying. For it is the nations of the world that seek all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out. An unfailing treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I tell you what, that last passage, that speaks to me. Okay, I don't, I have never looked at work as an opportunity to simply get things for myself or for those I love. But I have 
fallen into the trap that caused me to look at what I was accumulating. And we all like to accumulate our little nest egg as we go through life. And as we move towards the age where I am now. And there, and I did that. Yeah, it was, and I thought I was simply being uh, diligent and you know, responsible, you know, preparing for my future. And <clears throat> I've probably told some of you this, and, I'm, and I'm, I'm not telling you this so that you will in any way feel sorry for me. Okay, that's not my purpose. Because there was, there's a lesson that I had to learn through this experience. But when we left Michigan to come to New Life, uh, when I first came to this wonderful congregation, that was just my joy to serve for eight years. When we left Michigan, it, we left during the mortgage meltdown that caused so much financial turmoil and did a number on so many uh, 401ks and retirement plans and all of those kind of things. And when we, when we left Michigan, we, we lost $80,000 on our house that we had purchased there 10 years before. And all of that money had to come out of the nest egg, my retirement fund. And then we lost more money because the government said you were too young to take money out of your retirement fund, so please give us an additional 10%. And they wanted, you know, this much in taxes. And I, I remember going to Al Peterson and saying, have I paid enough taxes? Or am I going to be okay now at the end of that year? And he said, no. He said, you're going to owe about another 20. And I said, $20? And he said, no, another $20,000 because you took money out and it bumped you into a higher income bracket. So now you got to pay that much more tax. So by the time that year was over, the $250,000 we had at the beginning of the year is now down to $10,000. So you know what we did with that $10,000? We took it and we gave it to New Life as we were prepared to start building our, our new building. Why? Because I, I saw through that experience that God was saying to me, who are you trusting, William? Who are you trusting for your future? Are you trusting you or are you trusting me? And are you rich towards me or are you simply rich towards yourself. And so we had to try to learn that lesson. And so we took that last $10,000 and then we said, okay, Lord, here, you can have it. And again, don't feel sorry for me because it was a valuable lesson to learn. It was a valuable lesson to learn. God says to each of us, as you work, seek the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. Be rich toward me, care for others, be good stewards of the resources I have given to you, use them for the benefit of the world around you, take care of others, 
and trust me to take care of you. Okay, again, I'm not, I'm not telling us not to save for our future. I'm just saying, be careful that we don't, that you don't fall into the same trap that I found myself falling into. And that is a, a subtle shift in thinking that I needed to trust me instead of trusting Jesus for my future. And so I say to, to, to all the seniors that are getting ready to go out into the world and to all of us who are on any, anywhere in our journey as we work, God's wisdom is the same for all of us. Don't, don't be deceived by some false notion that you work to accumulate stuff to take care of your wants and needs now and yourself in the future. Look at work as an opportunity to be with God in the co-creative process of caring for the world and redeeming the world and, and renewing the world and advancing the kingdom and using the gifts and talents and abilities as you go out into the world, young people, using your gifts and talents and abilities to, to be a part of what, of what God is up to in the world and gaining your deep satisfaction in, in being a part of that plan that God has for your life and letting, you know, being responsible about your future, but letting God take care of it and, and letting God lead and guide as you, as you love him and serve him and, and I really believe that that's what it means to let Jesus be the Lord of your work. Letting Jesus be the Lord of, of our work in our lives so that uh, together we can uh, continue to share the good news of what God is up to in the world, especially the good news of, of what Jesus has done for all of us and the peace and security and the hope that he brings to each of our lives. Amen.